This is Radical with David Platt. I'm Aaron Paulus. This is the last program of this radio series, and we are thankful for each listener that has joined us in the study of the Bible. We're finishing up this broadcast with a message titled, One Church with a Global Gospel. On this last radio broadcast, we wanted you to hear from David about this ministry change. Hi, this is David Platt. For the past three years, it's been pure joy to present Radical with David Platt here on Moody Radio. Three years later, Radical and I sense it's time to focus our energies in areas other than radio. Therefore, this daily broadcast of Radical with David Platt will end on Friday, March 31st. Beyond that, I encourage you to subscribe to the Radical with David Platt podcast on iTunes and take advantage of the thousands of resources available on the Radical website, Radical.net. The messages we're hearing this week were given when David was pastoring the church at Brook Hills. And today's study will take us to several passages in the book of Acts that will complete a list of 10 characteristics of the church at Antioch. We pray that the Holy Spirit will give us all open hearts to follow the call to impact the lost world with the truth of Christ as we listen now on Radical with David Platt. I spent some time in Cuba a few months ago, and Cuba totally messed me up. And here's how. Amidst a variety of things, here's one primary way. We were in Cuba, communist nation, and we were in one small, impoverished Cuban house church. And this small, impoverished Cuban church had planted 60 other churches. And so we go visit one of these other churches that they had planted. And this church that we visited, they had only planted 25 other churches. And the picture is, the gospel is spreading all across that island through churches planting churches. And they looked at me, us, over and over again. It was like their mantra. They said it over and over and over again. They said, a church is not healthy if it's not reproducing. And I, I nodded my head, but then I had this sinking feeling inside me because I had to realize that the church that I have the privilege of pastoring is not reproducing churches. And even in the history of Brook Hills, there have been attempts to plant churches, but nothing like the picture we see and these impoverished churches in Cuba. And the way they described it, it was so enlightening. They said, these are their words, they said, we live in a, in a communist context, which means there's a ceiling over our heads. And the goal in every area of life is to stay below the ceiling. And as long as you stay below the ceiling, nobody notices you and you're okay. As soon as you stick your head above the ceiling, things are not good. So you keep it, keep it low. And so they said, that's what we've done in the church. You will not see big empires, big buildings, big programs associated with the church that would draw attention to that. In fact, looking from the outside in in Cuba, you would probably not even see the church at all. You would not see the church until you get to know the people. And when you get to know the people, you would realize that they are multiplying the gospel like wildfire. It's the same picture I've seen before in context in East Asia, where believers are doing the exact same thing. And so I get on a plane and come back here and we're talking as elders and looking through the word and begin to think, okay, in our church culture and this context, there are many different ways that churches are going about multiplying. Multiple campuses, 
multiplying via DVD. Put the pastor on DVD as many places as we can. Multiplying via satellite. There's all kinds of different ways. Sites, campuses, satellites, DVDs. And I want to be careful here because I have friends who pastor and use, are using, leading their churches and using some of these different means. And I'm not saying that some of these means are are bad in and of themselves and not saying that they're totally off the table when it comes to brick hills. But I couldn't help but to ask the question, what if we didn't have DVDs? And what if we didn't have high dollar budgets to pour hundreds of thousands of dollars into satellite? Would we still be able to spread the gospel? And came to the conclusion that the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the people of God are enough to accomplish the mission of God. They're enough to accomplish the mission of God, particularly in places around the world where, where there are very few resources, and yet the gospel is spreading most rapidly. So maybe there is a relationship between making disciples and planting churches. And maybe the way to multiply the church is to multiply men and women who are equipped to lead the church and plant churches in many different contexts. That's the picture that Cuba, pictures in East Asia, it's the picture I want us to see in the church at Antioch. If we had time, I go through Acts chapter 2, 4, 6, 8, 9, 16. could show you Every major breakthrough for the gospel in the book of Acts comes as a direct result of a people who are praying and a Holy Spirit who is empowering. Every major breakthrough, the gospel in the book of Acts comes through people praying, comes through people praying and the Spirit of God empowering. And this is where I certainly want to remind us as a people that if our future as a church and our plans and dreams as a church are dependent on my ingenuity or others' creativity or what we can come up with together with our collective ideas, then we are sunk from the start. But if we are a people, when we are a people, this is part of the purpose, praying for the entire world next year and us having intentional times of prayer and fasting during the context of next year because we want to be totally dependent on the Spirit of God to direct and empower the mission of God. That's what the church in Antioch was. Next, they nurtured an atmosphere for sending people out. They nurtured an atmosphere for sending people out. The Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So they placed their hands on them, fasted, prayed, and sent them off. This is the picture we reference just about every time we bring someone before our faith family who is about to Go overseas. We've talked about how over the last six months we have more than doubled the number of our members who are living in other contexts around the world proclaiming the gospel. And each time we send one of them out or a family out, we bring them before each other and we surround them and we pray for them. This is the picture here. And this is where we're reminded that success in the church is not determined by how many people are coming into a building. But success in the church is determined by how many people are leaving a building to take on the world around them with the gospel that's been entrusted to them. And they nurtured an atmosphere for sending people out. And I would even take it a step further. They weren't afraid to send their best out. I mean, if you got Paul on church staff, you'd do what it takes to keep that bro here. 
Barnabas, he's the one who came and led all these people to Christ. Like, we can't let Barnabas go. Spirit says, Paul and Barnabas and the church celebrated it. So let's pray that God would create in us an atmosphere that says, Spirit of God, you do whatever you want and lead any of us wherever you want us to go. We want to nurture an atmosphere for sending people out. The result is, next characteristic, they advanced the kingdom through multiplication. What happened as a result of even this day, Paul and Barnabas being sent out, we could, we could go through verse by verse by verse and just show you the whole story and the rest of the book of Acts. Paul and Barnabas leaving Antioch. They go down to Cyprus, that island. That's where Barnabas was from. And they head up north into places like Pisidian Antioch, some other cities. And basically what they do is they go into a city, they find the synagogue, they'll preach in the synagogue, oftentimes get kicked out of the synagogue, preach in the community, they'll get stoned and they'll move on to the next place. And that's kind of their routine. They're just preaching the gospel, planting churches, facing persecution, and doing it again and again and again and again and again. So that's that's the story. After they had gone, this is what is sometimes referred to as the first missionary journey. They go out and they come back to Antioch. It's kind of their home base. That sets the stage for missionary journey number two. Paul and new companions this time go up north into those places where they had already planted churches. But then that's where Acts chapter 16, you see the Macedonian call. Come north and help us here. We need the gospel here. So Paul travels to the north into places like Thessalonica up there, Athens, Corinth, comes down the middle of the map is Ephesus, then comes down in the bottom right portion of the map, which is Jerusalem. And then he and those who are with him head back to Antioch. Again, it was home base. And they camp out there in Antioch for a while. That's the second missionary journey. Churches being planted all over the place leads to the third missionary journey. Looks very similar to the map we just looked at. What Paul did is he sent out from Antioch, and again, he's going to all these places. All those cities where they're stopping, churches have been formed. Disciples have been made. He makes his way down to Jerusalem at the bottom right portion of the map again, and this time he's not going back to Antioch because he wants to get the gospel to Spain, and so he wants to go to Rome. What actually happens when he gets down to Jerusalem is exactly what we had heard about in Acts chapter 20. He is imprisoned, arrested and imprisoned there in Jerusalem and ends up going to Rome, but not quite the way he had planned. He ends up going to Rome in chains. But I want you to look at this map for just a second. I want you to realize, I want us to realize, that there were churches planted all across the Roman world on this map as a result of the work of the Spirit of God at the church where? At Antioch. Church at Antioch was advancing the kingdom through multiplication in places that some members of the church at Antioch never went to. But planting churches all over the Roman world. God, may it be said of the church at Brook Hills that there were, there were churches multiplied and planted all over the country and amidst the nations that we may never even see, but we are advancing the kingdom through multiplication. That's the picture. And don't miss this. This is where it gets really good, even better. It's already been good, but even better. Ninth characteristic, they grew in Christ at Antioch because of their ministry around the world. There's new teaching coming from Moody Radio starting next week on many of these stations. Hi, this is J.D. Greer, pastor at the Summit Church and your Bible teacher on a new radio program called Summit Life. 
I would love to have you join us at this same time every Monday through Friday. I'll be helping you take your next steps forward with Christ, whether you're a new believer looking to grow or an experienced believer who just wants to go deeper or or just somebody with a lot of questions. If you got a Bible, bring it. And together, let's take life to the summit. They grew in Christ in Antioch because of their ministry around the world. Let me show this to you. Look at Acts chapter 14. It's the next time we see a spotlight on Antioch. Acts chapter 14, verse 26. Listen to what it says there. This is after the first missionary journeys. Listen to what happened in verse 26. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch. Here it is. After that first missionary journey, listen to what happens. Where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Can you just imagine that? Paul and Barnabas come back and you gather the church around and you sit there and you listen to them talk about how the gospel is going to Gentiles all over the place? Does that encourage you as a church at Antioch? Absolutely it does. In the same way that when our brothers and sisters that we've sent out, sister who is serving in Central Asia that we commissioned out a few months ago and had to unexpectedly come back for a couple of weeks because of some very difficult things going on in Central Asia. She's now back. We need to be praying for her in a very Hostile location that she is in. It's a single girl serving there. This is the picture. We are encouraged by them and we have the privilege, the opportunity to encourage them and we grow in Christ here because of our ministry around the world and vice versa, this picture. Some would think, some would even say, you don't want to get too busy doing stuff in all these other places. You'll, you'll fail to minister to one another, one another here. But here's the beauty. We will grow in Christ most here when we are most abandoned to taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. This is a great picture here. I'm convinced that the opposite we've got to be really careful of. If we're not taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, we will plateau here in our growth in Christ. We will miss out on a global God who is making his global glory known in all the world. We want to know this God deeply. We grow where we are as a result of ministry around the world. And obviously, obviously, not everybody at Antioch packed their bags and moved to another context. Some don't pack their bags. Some do pack their bags. But there's a mutual edification in Christ that's going on here. All leads to the 10th characteristic. They were ultimately renowned in Scripture for reproduction. When you look at the pages of the New Testament, you see letters to the church at Corinth, and you see letters to the church at Thessalonica, and you see a letter to the church at Ephesus, and you realize that these churches were planted because the Spirit of God appointed men to be sent out from the church at Antioch, brothers and sisters, to leave their comfort zones and go into these other places. And what we've got is a whole picture of churches across the Roman world because the church at Antioch was serious about about following the Spirit's lead and planting churches all over the place. Truly, we need God to deliver us from the idea that success in the church is about how many people we can get into a certain place. Success in the church 
is about the unstoppable, uncontrollable Spirit of God and the people of God advancing the gospel of God to the ends of the earth. That's the picture. They were known for reproduction. And I'm convinced that that is God's design for us as his church. So what does that look like at the church at Brook Hills? And here's the picture I want to put before you. It is a simple, intentional, I hope biblical, reproducible, cross-cultural, radical picture of reproducing the gospel. It starts fundamentally with making disciples through small groups. When I say that, I want to encourage you not even to think of small groups in a programmatic sense. I want you to think of brothers and sisters locked arms, locking arms together to multiply the gospel with their lives. That's the picture. Every member equipped for ministry. This is the picture of the church in Ephesians 4, and I pray that it will be the picture This church, this faith family, not ministry in the hands of a few, not a staff who do children's, preschool, student, college, single, senior adult ministry, but every member equipped for ministry. Students equipped to share the gospel where they go to school. College students equipped to share the gospel on their college campus. College students, the ministers on college campuses. Stay-at-home moms equipped to do ministry with stay-at-home moms. Corporate executives equipped to do ministry with corporate executives. All of us equipped for ministry, and as a result of being equipped, every member engaged in ministry. Every member engaged in ministry. This is where I want to remind us that, I want to remind us why we're doing things the way we're doing them. Because it's easy to lose sight of this. Particularly in a church culture that replaces disciple making with all kinds of different things that we expect when we think of church. We've, we've talked about this. Just a reminder. But if you want to grow the church today, then you need certain components. You need a performance that will draw the crowds. In order to have a performance, you need a charismatic communicator who will bring the crowds in. And in order to bring the crowds in, you've got to have a place for them to come to. And so to accompany your performance, you need to spend millions on a place to house the crowds. And once people come to the place, you need top-of-the-line, state-of-the-art programs to keep them coming back. Programs every age, every stage, keep them coming back. That way people could drop their children off and somebody else will do the disciple-making for them. In order to have top-of-the-line state-of-the-art programs, you need professionals to run the programs. And if you put this equation together, then you, you, can, you can grow the church. But when I look at the New Testament church and I look at many of our brothers and sisters around the world, I see nothing of performances and million-dollar places that have been built with great programs and and professionals who are running them. Instead, see an emphasis on people, on the people of God, equipped with the Word of God to multiply the gospel of God. This is where I want us to realize that the goal here is not to bring as many people as possible into this building. 
if our goal, even in reaching Birmingham, is to reach as many people, bring as many people as possible in this building, then we're not going to, most people in Birmingham are not going to come into this building. Why would we want to do that when there are 4,000 people from this building today who will go into this city this week and rub shoulders every single moment of every single day with people who are in need of Christ? Wouldn't it be better for 4,000 people to be equipped in this building to take on this city with the gospel? And now, it's not dependent on professionals and a performance in a place. It's dependent on the Spirit of God and the people of God accomplishing the mission of God for the glory of God. May it be so. Every member equipped for, engaged in ministry. You won't find the state-of-the-art programs here and many places around the world where the gospel is spreading most rapidly. Instead, you will find men and women who are giving their very lives to spread the gospel of Christ. And this is what we want to pray together that God would raise up. So we're making disciples through small groups. So the gospel multiplying that way through believers who are doing community together and mission together in the context where we live and in other contexts. So making disciples through small groups. And then, second part, multiplying churches by sending teams. The church is not healthy if it's not reproducing. Okay. I hear you, Cuban brother or sister. So how can we most intentionally, most effectively multiply churches? And we've been, we've been thinking, talking about this over the last couple of years and talked about all kinds of different options, even built some things into planning. But I'm convinced God, by His grace, according to His Spirit, has checked us, pinball machine-like, redirected and, and brought back this picture of if we are doing disciple-making here, and we're raising up men and women who are equipped for ministry and engaged in ministry, then could it be that the Spirit of God wants to say in our midst, set apart these people to go to this place with the gospel? Set apart this man, the leader in the church. Set apart these brothers and sisters to go together just like we're seeing here at the church in Antioch. What a great message to end this three-year study in God's Word on Radical with David Platt. There's been a lot of people who have shared what God has done as they've studied the Bible with us. We've been looking back at emails from over the years and wanted to share this note from Angela, who writes, I would like to thank you for your podcast, Radical. I've been listening to it for the past few months, and it's made a huge impact in my life. I have read your book, Radical, several times and strive to live my life in radical obedience to Christ. As you know, this is not an easy task, but by God's grace, He continues to mold me into who He wants me to be. Well, thanks to each of you who have prayed for the Holy Spirit to move through this program. You are a part of God's working in the lives of countless listeners. You can find out all you need to know to stay connected to David's ministry when you visit RadicalWithDavidPlatt.org. It's been our honor and joy to serve Christ by working on this broadcast. From everyone on the production team, we want to say thanks for listening. Our producer is Joe Carlson. Our engineer is Ryan McConaughey. Web support from Lisa Mullenkamp. I'm Aaron Paulus. Radical with David Platt is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Global Ministries.